You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Thank you all so much. I'm so incredibly grateful um, for your prayers, the prophetic words that you give the team for me, anything you hear from the Lord. Those are always coveted. Um, We meditate on those. Paul told Timothy, by the uh, words that you have received, um, essentially uh, use them as a weapon to fight, to wage a good warfare. And so we use prophetic words as weapons um, until we see what the promises of the Lord are. Uh, And so... I appreciate the prayers of protection. I also appreciate the prayers that we become more dangerous to the enemy in darkness than we ever have before. Because the Christian life is not a safe life. <laughs> it's, uh, I understand the covering of the Lord in, in Psalm 91 and all that. But I, I also uh, believe that I was created to run towards, run towards darkness. I was talking to Nick about this last week. I said, not, you know, he's a firefighter. And I said, not everybody's wired to run into a fire. <laughs> Most people are wired to run away from it. But all my life, I've ran towards danger. And so I know now where I'm called to, to go. And this is just one of the places. And I just want to encourage you with this. is just There are senders and there are those that are sent. And all of us are essentially going. Just because you're sending doesn't mean that, it, that you're not as big a part of it as I am. Right? It's just some people have the calling to go and some people have the calling to send. And so we just, you know, we do whatever the Lord has given us grace for and given us anointing for. So if there's still time to sow into this trip, um, we had one unexpected cost come up at the end. Uh, I'll probably explain after the trip, but um, (laughs) versus before. But the two best ways to give are on our website at revivetheworld.org and go to giving and there's a Pakistan button. Um, to, to Mark, or by, if you still carry checks or cash, with probably very few of you, um, there's a black box back there. Just ask that you mark it, Pakistan. Um, so you guys have, have given already, a lot of you have, and I'm so, we're so grateful for every penny that's been sowed into this trip. Um, so a lot of people are going to get to benefit. So thanks again for that. Um, I'm just blown away by his goodness and his kindness that have been shown to us during this process. You know, there's a lot that goes into these trips behind the scenes, and the majority of the work is being done by Donish uh, Peters and his team over there at Grace Network, literally daily going out and having meetings with pastors and churches. He's met with over a thousand pastors just for one of our events that they're doing. Um, so that's a lot of, a lot of work and for hours, I mean, out, outside the city, hours outside the city in some places that, um, I can't name at the moment, but I believe there's going to be a lot of people that don't know Jesus at one of our gatherings. (laughs) Um, so we're looking forward to it. So you guys will get updates as I give them at least stuff that I, I tell them that they can post on Facebook. There may be some things that aren't able to be posted on Facebook. Um, but regardless, you'll get the report when we get back, or maybe they'll update you some on, on next Sunday too, um, because a lot will happen before your next Sunday. I'm trying to figure out the time difference. Yeah, before, before your next Sunday. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to talk to you today 
Uh, oh, yeah, one more thing. I've got to, I'm leaving literally straight from here to meet Matt General to take off to Chicago. So I apologize ahead of time uh, for having to walk straight out the door, but I'm not going to be able to stop and conversate just because we need to get to Chicago and get to O'Hare and uh, catch our flights. Need to get there a couple of hours early, and it leaves out about 6.30, 6.35 tonight, uh, central time. Um, so <clears throat> that's the good thing is that we get an extra hour technically <laughs> uh, because they're an hour behind us. But I'm going to talk to you today about the baptism of love. Um, and before I do that, I've got a. will you turn your recording on, on your phone, Victoria? I felt like I was... I felt like I was supposed to give you, give you this word publicly um, because of the nature of the word. Um, and last week, I had the word for you. And I felt like the, I saw you today. I saw a vision of you in worship um, in, my, in my mind. And you had a mic in your hand. And I saw you uh, on, in st- on stages and on platforms in front of people. And I felt like last week as Nikki was teaching, there was this, this like encouragement that was stirred up on the inside of you. Um, that was like literally crushing a lie that said you can't do this because you're a woman. You can't stand in front of crowds of men and women and children because you're a woman. And I felt like Nikki speaking really um, destroyed that and dismantled that lie that the enemy was trying to tell you because he's terrified of you. And I felt like that God has given you such great influence um, over people, but specifically I saw you standing in front of business people I felt like that there was <clears throat> some entrepreneur in you. Uh, I felt like that there's business ideas, but not just business ideas, but wisdom that goes along with business and how to actually create culture within business that's not just successful in the terms of money, but is actually successful in building people and empowering people within it. I felt like some of the stuff that you've already, you've already written down some things. I felt like that you've got some dreams uh, that have been written out. And I feel like even now that there's grace coming on you <clears throat> for those dreams to be, um, to be solidified within you and you to have even more hope than you've already had. And you don't have to worry about the finances. Like God's going to take care of that part. But not only did I see you in front of business people, I saw you in front of church people. And I felt like that you're called to train and equip people. Uh, that you got this teacher thing down on the inside of you that you've that it's come out in different ways. It's come out in, in teaching Robert and, and Tia's kids. It's come out in, in teaching other kids. It's come out in like in little moments of one-on-one. But I felt like that the Father was saying that you've got an opportunity. You're going to have opportunities, plural, to do it in front of lots of people because he wants to multiply your time. And I felt like there's one other thing is that you don't have to worry about uh, your lifespan being shortened by anything that was that's happened in, in your family or hereditary things uh, that divine health is upon you um, and that you you're gonna live uh, I felt like you're gonna live one of the longest lives of anybody in your family line and so father thanks so much for Victoria uh, we bless her we thank you for the gift of God uh, that she is we bless everything that you're doing in her life uh, we pray that you multiply it. We thank you for increase, Lord, of everything that's on the inside of her coming to the surface and that boldness, that fierceness of the lion of the tribe of Judah that's on the inside of her. Uh, we thank you for it coming out like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. That stuff makes sense to you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We, we, you can give me some more feedback later. I always like to ask because... It's good. It's good to get feedback. So if you want to turn in your Bibles 
Some of you will, will know this. Uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 3 uh, and go all the way down to verse 16. They were praying for, they, when I knew they were going to pray for me, and I thought, man, I won't have very much time. But you guys give me lots of time, so I'm grateful for that. I won't, I won't take it all, but I'll take a, a good portion of it. So as I said, I want to talk to you about the baptism of love today. I believe that it is, um, and this is, this is my, my personal opinion according to, according to the Bible, but outside of knowing what Jesus did, I believe that it is the single most important thing that we can find out. I believe it's, the, it's, it's to be the foundational um, the, the foundation of everything that we, we believe is to be the baptism of love from the Father. I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm a firm believer in it. I believe it's for everybody. Uh, I don't believe that it's essential to salvation, but I don't know why you wouldn't want it. Um, <clears throat> it just doesn't make any sense to me. I believe it empowers you for ministry, and it opens up a realm of the gifts of the Spirit um, like nothing else can. Um, but I believe even the baptism of love is to precede this. Uh, and if it didn't proceed it, don't worry, just get it. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that matters. Because operating in power is amazing, but operating in authority is better. And love equals authority. Because where I have love, I have authority. Where I have no love, I have no authority. And so technically, love would equal power as well. Some people separate the two. I don't believe that they're, they're supposed to be separated, even though I, can know you, I know you can operate out of power and not operate out of love. Um, I did that for the first handful of years of my Christianity. Uh, I saw signs, wonders, and miracles. I prophesied to crowds. I prophesied accurately uh, to people, and I cared more about the accuracy and about the demonstration of the gift and about the healing and about the deliverance than I did the person. Um, so I made those mistakes, and so, so hopefully some of you don't have to. Uh, so you learn from others and don't recreate the wheel. Uh, I was just fascinated with the fact that I could, that I could make the devil leave people. Um, I hated him very much because he tried to kill me for, for years, and I did my best to help him out. And uh, now I just la I laugh a lot because now he, he can't take me out. <laughs> I, <I'm, laughs> I just, it's just, um, it's laughable now because all the things that he tried and now when he comes against you after you, you have the Father's eyes, when you, you have vision from heaven to earth and you know you're seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6, and you have that perspective uh, or Psalms 2.4 perspective where God sits in heaven and he laughs at the plans of the enemy. You, you see what he's trying because the enemy always reveals his hand because he's too prideful not to. Yeah, he's too prideful. He's too arrogant. Um, he, he, he just can't, he can't help himself. Uh, and there's nothing new under the sun. So he may package it. Uh, it may be like a Christmas gift that, you know, you got the two, two of the same uh, presents there, um, but different wrapping paper. It doesn't make them different. It just means they're wrapped different. And so the father, so the enemy, he'll bring things in different, different ways. But essentially, um, the father, he shows us that stuff. And then I just, I just laugh at him um, because that's the highest perspective is to laugh at the plans of the enemy. I cried for years of the plans of the enemy. I was terrified uh, of what he was doing. I focused a lot on it, you know, and uh, well, why? <laughs> I'm not sure. I guess I was taught that way. And now I'd, I'd rather get caught up in what God's doing than what he's doing. Amen. Right, because he's he's always you know God is is at work, and um, if you didn't know it, he's not um, 
caught off guard by everything that's happening in the world today. <laughs> he's, he's well aware, and he set the answer a long time ago. Um, before the foundation of the world, Jesus was the lamb that was slain. And so he had the answer before the world was even created. That's what brings me great comfort and encouragement. And so the baptism of love, um, it, it helps in every, in every single way that I ever needed to be healed. Um, and every insecurity, every fear, um, uh, lust, perversion, um, all, of, all of the things, the pride, the arrogance, all the things that I carried, the anger. Love was the answer to every single one of them, but the Father's love. Not the distorted, perverted view of love that the world gives us. That if you do good, uh, try hard, then we'll reward you. Actually, some of our culture doesn't, doesn't agree with that anymore. They believe that you all, all just get a, a reward. But I'm not going to get on a soapbox, and so I'll stay right here and leave the soapbox over there. <laughs> uh, just, just know that when we do that, that uh, we create a culture that's mediocre. So um, anyway, uh, uh, the Father's love is, is the answer to, to every, I believe it's the answer to, to every, single, every single problem that's happening now on the, on the planet. Because the world doesn't have a sin, a sin problem. They have an identity problem. If you, if you still have a sin issue, it's not a sin issue. It's an identity issue. Sin's not the issue. It was paid for. Jesus paid for sin completely. He broke the power of sin. And it was all because it was driven by love. He was driven by love to destroy the power of sin. And so when that happened, love became the answer to all the world's problems. And love is what solidifies us in who we are as sons and daughters. <laughs> it's what the world's looking for. It's, it's, it's why we, we get so caught up in, in trying to keep up with people that we see on social media and why money becomes so alluring and, and why we try to impress others. It's all because love hasn't got down into the very core of who we are and, 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 and made us whole yet. If there's any issue that's still in our life of those things that I mentioned, of insecurities, of fears, of perversion, of lust of greed, of pride, of arrogance, of anger, of any kind of orphan mentality at all, it is because love has not got down into the core of who we are yet, right? And if some of those issues used to be our issues and they aren't any longer, it's because love has gotten in there. It just hasn't gotten all the way down into the very core of who we are yet. I call it your, your inner child, and I'm going to walk you through some of the scriptures to kind of prove, prove my point and hopefully dismantle lies today and then see people get a baptism of love. It's the most incredible experience that I've ever had. <clears throat> it's the most life-changing thing that's ever happened to me. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we see Jesus' baptism of love. It says, when he had been baptized, talking about Jesus, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Or this is my Son whom I dearly love. In the New Living Translation, it says, who brings me great 
joy. And so here Jesus is after he'd been arguing with John the Baptist and saying, I, you know, John's like, hey, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus is like, look, man, just let me, just let the scriptures be fulfilled. Just let me be baptized by you. We need to do this. John finally submits to his cousin and the one he knows as the Messiah. Remember, John had the clearest revelation of anyone of who Jesus was. He was the one who was sent to pave the way for Jesus. He was the one that heard straight from heaven after 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. No dreams, no visions, nobody hearing from God. And John, he looks crazy to everybody else, but he was the chosen one. right? He's out in the desert preaching his not-so-encouraging message, and people are just flocking to him because they hadn't heard God. You could browbeat them all you want, but they were coming to hear what God had to say. <laughs> and, and, they, and, and, and so John is the chosen one. John knows who Jesus is. He knows he's the Lamb of God, the Messiah, sent to take away the sins of the world. And so that's why this argument is, is, is happening over him being baptized by Jesus. And so when John finally submits to Jesus, he baptizes him in the Jordan River. And literally the heavens, this is not a... If you're looking for a... There, there's no... You know how when we say picture Jesus or we've got a, a, a sanctified spiritual imagination. I told you the, the vision I saw of Victoria was in here. You know, some people see open visions. They're like a movie screen. Some people see internal visions. Um, some people see both. Um, all are accessible to you. But I see a lot of stuff internally. This wasn't like that. This is literally, this is literally what took place. The heavens parted. When the heavens parted, it, 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 was, it was not just something that actually happened, but it was, a, it was a spiritual picture for all of us that would come after Jesus. Remember Jesus in Romans 8, 29, he was the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's us. And so when heaven opened over Jesus, it opened over all of the body of Christ, every son and daughter that would come after Jesus, every person that would get born again would have access to an open heaven all of their lives. There are no closed heavens in the Christian life unless it's between our ears. The only way heaven's closed is if I believe it. Remember, whatever I believe becomes true for me. And so there's, there's no demon in hell. There's no person on earth. There's no circumstance too tough that can, can close heaven over us. That should encourage us, right? And so heaven literally opens and the Spirit of God literally descends. Now remember, I know it's a picture as a dove, but the Holy Spirit's not a bird. <laughs> be grateful for that the spirit of God is robust and tough and dangerous to all darkness and all things that don't look like love <laughs> and everybody becomes a target in a real good way when the Holy Spirit's in the room or on the block or in the city or in the country <laughs> and so the spirit of God God himself comes down upon Jesus upon the son of God and at that moment, we see that Jesus is no longer acting as God. We see it in Philippians chapter 2. Though he was fully God, he chose to walk the earth full, as fully man, full of the Holy Spirit. Dependent upon God. Because God doesn't need God on him. Right? You get it? The Spirit of God didn't need to come upon God. So the Spirit of God needed to come upon the Son of Man. So that he could show us what it looks like for one person to be fully dependent upon the Father and then give you and I hope for the rest of our lives. 
Because now you and I can live fully dependent upon the Father and see the same lifestyle that Jesus lived, we can follow in his footsteps. He said we do greater works than he did in John 14, 12. (laughs) And all we have to do is believe. It's all about your beliefs. If you believe you can, you probably will. If you believe you can't, you probably won't. (laughs) Beliefs are powerful. (laughs) And so Jesus gives us one of the greatest hopes that he could possibly give us as a demonstration of what it looks like to be a son completely sold out to the Father. And so the Spirit of God comes upon him, and all of that is incredible, but what what comes next is the most important thing that I see in all of the New Testament. And on all of the incredible promises and all of the truth that was spoken and all of the Old Testament scriptures that were quoted and all of the things that Jesus did and all of the things that Jesus said and the Sermon on the Mount and all of the promises that I see about who I am in Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and all in First and Second Corinthians and all the books that Paul wrote. This is the very most important thing that I see in all that is written from Matthew on through Revelation. It's the Father's voice. It's the Father's voice that every single person, Jesus was not exempt from this because he was the Son of Man, needs the affirmation of the voice of the Father to solidify them in everything that they were created to be. The voice of the Father was not just sound waves, but it was actually liquid love is the way that I see it that came through his voice into his son that solidified Jesus in his identity. This is my dearly loved son. In other words, son, I love you. And in you, I delight. You bring me great joy. Now look at this. Jesus had not done one single thing in ministry. He'd not given a prophetic word. He had not declared uh, that the kingdom is is nigh unto you. He, He had not preached for people to repent. He had not cast out demons. He had not healed any lepers. He had not done anything in ministry at all whatsoever. You know why that excites me? Because it destroys performance for love. It destroyed everything that the world taught me I needed to do for people to love me. And because I learned that through the culture that I grew up in, through sports, and some of the things that I learned in sports and the never give up attitude were very beneficial to me. I'm very grateful for them, but the performance mentality was something that was inadvertently taught to me that I brought into the kingdom with me, and I thought it just makes sense. I need to earn his love. I need to try hard. I need to do good. And then maybe, just maybe, if I did well that day, at the end of the day, I I could be able to actually look towards heaven and say, God, you love me. But even in that, I thought, well, he loves me, but I'm not entirely sure he likes me. Because I'd heard that was true. You ever heard people say that? Well, I love you, but I don't like you. I love them, but I don't like them. <laughs> now, I can understand if you say, I don't like their behavior, but I do love them. 
But let me tell you that what, what's, what's the difference between the two, love and like. When it comes from the Father, love is sonship and like is friendship. He loves me sonship. He likes me friendship. And I need both. Because I was created and you were created to be a friend of God. And I'm not created to, for him just to love me and not like me. Or just like me and not love me. <laughs> there are no hard people to love for God. And if you still find people hard to love, it's because you're loving them out of your own strength. Every time somebody becomes hard to love for me, it's because I'm loving them out of Tony's, Tony's love, which is very limited and very shallow. <laughs> Not very tolerant. <laughs> yeah? Frustrated easily. Easily aggravated. The Father's love is limitless and it's unconditional. It's not based on what I do or don't do. He just loves me because He loves me because He loves me. And I can't do anything about it. Doesn't matter how good I act, how bad I act, His love doesn't change. I tried for years to run from the Father's love. <laughs> I just wasn't fast enough. <laughs> Hussein Bolt wasn't fast enough in his prime. <laughs> there isn't anyone fast enough to outrun His love. But at the same time, he, he likes us as much as he loves us, which means not only does he want to be around me, but he actually loves being around me. Wow. He actually lo he loves being friends with me. He loves hanging out with me. He loves spending time with me. We don't have to be doing anything. Just being with him is enough. And so the affirmation of the Father actually solidifies everything that came to us through incorruptible seed. Let me, give you, let me give you scripture. Some of you know where it is. Some of you, you preach it. And um, we, we talk about it a lot here. And, and the reason that we emphasize it is because it takes us back to the very beginning before anything happened. The seed. I know we don't need a health lesson, right? Where we all came from seed. You got it? <laughs> Some of us got kids. I know, I know you know how they got here. <laughs> it was not the stork. <laughs> Even though some of you wish the stork delivered them, but. <laughs> I figured only women had comments on that. All men were quiet, being sensible in that moment. <laughs> Wisdom is knowing when to be quiet too. <laughs> and so we talk about it because it takes us all the way back before any, anything happened to us. Before abandonment, before rejection, before abuse, before I chose to do anything wrong, before I stole, before I got high, before I committed crimes, before I did anything to anyone. It takes us all the way back to the beginning. I think United Pursuit heard a song about that, didn't they? <clears throat> so in 1 Peter 22 and 23, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, it says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been, verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Born again through incorruptible seed. 
right? Jesus said in John 3, unless a man be born again, right, he won't see the kingdom. And so every one of us have to be born again. It's a prerequisite for becoming a son and daughter, right? Okay, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Isn't that great? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Regardless of what you feel like, regardless of what people told you, you are not shortchanged. You and I have way more than what we realize right now. <laughs> and I think that we're doing all right of realizing what we have, but there's so much more. That's why we pray that prayer. My favorite prayer, Lord, please more. <laughs> it's the simplest, but yet pro most profound prayer to me. So, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory, by glory and virtue, by which we have been given, or by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That you and I may be partakers of divine nature. Divine nature is godlike. That you and I were created in the image of God. In the image and likeness, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, you find the image and like that mankind was created in the image and likeness of God. It was God's design, God's plan. It was what he always wanted. So, when sin came into the world, it messed up the likeness of mankind. So you see, so you see some sprinkled throughout the Old Testament that were, that were David's a great example. Abraham, Moses are, are a great example. There's other, other women that are, are great examples. Uh, Ezra, there's uh, great examples that are sprinkled through the Old Testament, but as a whole, mankind was not like God. There were just some that tapped into what the new covenant would bring. David was a great example of living in new covenant promises under an inferior covenant. Right? And so, the image remained. We were all still born into the image of God. But it wasn't God's desire that we ever lost the likeness. It was man's choice. That's why Jesus being the lamb slain before the foundation of the world was God's answer before man ever messed up. It's like a saying you were actually found before you ever lost. <laughs> Come on, because Jesus being the lamb slain of the foundation of the world, salvation was already here before the planet existed. The cross had already happened in the mind of the Father because he lives outside of time. He's not constrained by time. And so he sees the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And he can actually look from heaven's view and say, this is going to happen here. But in my mind, it's already done. So he knew what you and I would choose. And he gave us in Jesus everything, as it says in the scripture, pertaining to life and godliness that we would ever need. It comes in our born again from incorruptible seed into divine nature, promise from God when the Spirit of God comes into us. And exact, what really happens is what happened to Jesus through Mary. There's immaculate conception essentially that happens in the Spirit for each one of us. And we become divine. Not God, but like God. Be very clear. <laughs> There's some messed up theology out there. I just want to make sure that you don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But we're sons and daughters of, of a perfect father. And Jesus, getting ready to go into the wilderness, finds this out in the most important season of his life. 
And I want to point out again that he had literally not done anything for the Father. He walked to the water, agreed to be baptized. Not very profound, right? I've gotten in a lot of water. I'm not really a bath guy. Took a shower this morning. Didn't seem very significant to me. Just thought I'd take one before I don't really get a nice hot shower for the next 11, 12 days. <laughs> yeah. So we won't, we won't paint that picture any further. But, but that's, not significant. That's, that's, not, that's not spiritual to us. Even though baptism is spiritual, I know. But Jesus hadn't, he hadn't really done anything. And the Father is saying something very loudly and very clearly to all of us today through Jesus' baptism, or what I like to call a baptism of love. The affirmation of the Father comes to every single person, regardless of where we are, regardless of what we've chosen to do, regardless of anything that we have ever done in our lives. There's nothing too terrible for the Father to like us or love us less than unconditionally. <laughs> he chose us. According to Ephesians 1, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And He solidifies this in Jesus before He goes into the testing of what I would consider the testing of the most... the most significant lie that the enemy tells sons and daughters today is about our identity. Identity theft is the number one thing, one of the number one thefts that's actually happening in the natural, but I believe it's the number one thing that's happening in the spirit. Amen. Is that, he, the, the, that Jesus, the Father knows, Jesus is going into the wilderness, and all three of the things that, if you look in Luke chapter 4, that the, that the enemy, that Satan tells Jesus, are an attack on his identity. And so the father sets him up and solidifies who he is through saying, you're my dearly loved son, and in you I delight. You bring me great joy. It isn't about the mission. It isn't about what you're going to accomplish. It isn't about all of the uncountable people that you are going to see healed. It isn't going to be about the messages that you preach. It isn't going to be about when you stand on the Sermon of Mount and, uh, and, and preach this in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and say all these great and incredible promises. It isn't even going to be about when you lay down on that cross. It isn't going to be about when they bury you in that tomb or when you get up from the dead. My love is not dependent on any of those things. I just love you because you're my son. Any of you that have children can relate to this. At least in, 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 in a natural way. And you looked at your, your baby boy, your baby girl... And you held them in your arms, right? And you said that they were the most beautiful thing that you'd ever seen. And you believed it. Even though when babies are first born, that's not always the truth. <laughs> right? <laughs> Swollen and squished and sometimes, yeah, we'll stop there. <laughs> but they had not done a single thing for you, right? 
They couldn't, even, they couldn't love you. They couldn't wink at you. They couldn't blow you a kiss. They couldn't hug you. They couldn't do anything. Literally could not do one single thing. Couldn't even squeeze your finger. And you never felt, you never felt love like that before in your life. <laughs> it's very similar to that. You love that child because they're yours, not because of anything that they could do for you. But then somehow, some way, we get this thing in our minds in the kingdom that I got to do things for God for Him to love me. <clears throat> it stems from what we deem an orphan mentality, orphan thinking. Orphan thinking and sonship thinking are opposing. And let me list off some of the things that come from orphan mentality. <clears throat> let, me, yeah, let me read this verse first in Romans chapter 8. Uh, you can read verses 14 through 17 later. This is out of the NASB. This is verse 15 only. It says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery. Sla- sla- I don't know what that word is, but it's supposed to be slavery. <laughs> For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. You know why Paul's pointing this out to the Romans? Because they were operating out of a spirit of slavery that led them into fear. He's not just spouting stuff off. There's a reason for it. And the father knew that all of mankind would deal with the same thing. And so he puts it in writing. The living word of God. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Right, living, active, powerful enough to destroy any lie that you believe. <laughs> Isn't that great? The Word of God is amazing. My gosh. And so he says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. What was what drove us when we were in the world? Fear. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of not having enough money. Fear of not achieving enough. Fear of not being loved well enough. Fear of not finding that soulmate. Fear of not pleasing our parents. Fear of not, right? It's just fear. Fear drives the world's culture. You can watch the news. You can look on social media. You can find that fear drives the world's culture. Fear sells. Fear sells movies. It's because you know the dominant spirit that is, is the, the, <laughs> the spirit of this world. Right? It's the spirit of fear. It's what the enemy operates out of. It's what his kingdom exists in because he's terrified all the time. Never changes. <laughs> Constantly afraid. That's all he can be. And so that's what he tries to make you and I. So we've not been led into the spirit of, of slavery to fear again because fear is an evil taskmaster. Kind of like sin. <laughs> religions even worse religions meaner than sin <laughs> it is and so the orphan mentality taking a, a this is my interjection in this verse by the way uh the orphan mentality is rooted in fear and says father god is a taskmaster and and i'm working to earn what he has you get that want me to read it again i think i should the orphan mentality is rooted in fear and says, Father God is a taskmaster, and I'm working to earn what he has. Even though in, in uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, in the Passion Translation, it says we have full access to all that Father, all the Father has. But me reading that scripture and dismantling the lie that says I have to earn his love are, are two different things. 
I believe that what takes place when we, when we read a scripture and it starts to transform our minds, if we meditate on it and make declarations out of it, it's the beginning of what the Father wants to do with his love. He wants to take his love down to the, down to the very center, down to the core of who we are, so that the truth can actually become everything that it's supposed to be to every single one of us. To actually bring the change, to actually come to life the way that it was meant to. Because lots of us have read truth, but it didn't actually present itself in our lives the way that it's supposed to. I propose to you that love activates truth. Love activates truth. It's not just having a knowledge of the Bible. It's actually intimately knowing Him, who is the Word. Not just knowing the Word on paper, but knowing the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Knowing God knowing the Father as He actually is. And my perspective on Him will determine what I believe. <clears throat> my perspective on Him will determine whether I actually allow Him to love me the way that He wants to. Because I've, I believe He's an evil taskmaster. If I believe that I have to earn things from Him, I'm not going to get close enough to Him to, earn, to actually receive love from Him because I'll never obtain good enough behavior to get that close. <laughs> it's just not possible in our human efforts. Thank God for grace. And so the rest of Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Remember what you did to receive the spirit of God? You believed that Jesus was who he said he was? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Like, that's pretty simple, right? There was no effort involved in that, was it? It was just faith. That was all. And so the Spirit of God came into us and enabled us to actually cry out and say, God's my dad. That's profound. Who did it? He did. <laughs> so why am I still trying to do it myself? <clears throat> Just a question. Orphan mentality is rooted in fear or fear of lack. Lack of love, lack of finances, lack of relationships, lack of intimacy, lack of... You fill in the blank. It's rooted in fear of lack. Rooted in fear. Poverty mentality stems from this. Poverty mentality has nothing to do with how much money you have. You can have, be a billionaire and have a poverty mentality. Or you can be absolutely broke living on the streets and have a wealth mindset. <clears throat> Has everything to do with, uh, with what I believe. S sibling, rivalry come, sibling rivalry comes from this. I know we're like it's in every household between brothers and sisters, between brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters. But guess what? It, when it comes into the kingdom with us, it means that I can't celebrate you when you get blessed. I can't celebrate you when I see you on stage operating out of the, the power of God. I can't celebrate you when something goes wrong in your life because I'm constantly competing with you. And if I'm competing, I can't celebrate because the two don't coexist. It's one of the major things that plague the body of Christ today is competition. I'm trying to be better than you. I'm trying to have a bigger church than you are. I'm trying to do more than you are. I want, to, uh, more, I want more followers than you. I want, I'm telling you, it's ugly. I know what, it li I know what it's like because I know what it's like to live with it. 
I know what it's like to not be able to celebrate others because I, I was being the sibling that, that, couldn't, that was in competition with my brother or sister. I know what it's like. <clears throat> and some of you know what I'm talking about. So we constantly, orphan mentality is constantly working for acceptance and love. It has a distorted view of Father God, believes that the Father is angry, distant, maybe loves me, but doesn't like me. I already talked about that. Doesn't want to hang out with me. It's an old covenant perspective of Father God. <clears throat> and, and it stems from, I believe that, that most of it, maybe, I don't want to make a blanket statement that all, all of it, I don't believe all of it stems from this, but I believe the majority of orphan mentality stems from uh, rejection and abandonment. If I asked you who's been rejected or abandoned in this room, I believe that probably um, 99% of you would raise your hands, right? I'm not asking you to, but I believe um, that we all raise our hands. And so we've all, um, we've all suffered with this. Um, we all have dealt with it in some way or another. And I believe that um, almost every one of us, if not every one of us in the room, still have some sort of orphan mentality in us. If there's any type of fear, anything that I struggle with that I mentioned or things that Holy Spirit has brought up, it's something that love just needs to get down to the core of who you are and take care of. It's not something you need to take care of yourself. It's something He wants to take care of for you because it's something that you and I were not designed to live from. We weren't designed to live from orphan mentality. That's why it is so stressful, so exhausting, so tiring to live from that mindset because we weren't made for it. Anything that exhausts me like that, <clears throat> I thought Star Wars was starting. And anything that exhausts me like that is, is something that I'm living outside of my new nature. Anything that refreshes me or anything, I, when I'm living from rest and it actually gives me life, it means that I'm living from a, a mentality of being a son or being a daughter. So let me go through this real quick, and then I'm going to wrap this up. It says, sons and daughters, see the father as always in a good mood. He actually was always in a good mood, and he still is. New covenant perspective of Father God, he, this is what sons and daughters do. They look at the person of Jesus and say, that's what the father looks like. Colossians 1.15, Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse 3, uh, John, the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18, uh, and then... In John chapter 14, uh, the conversation that Jesus actually has with Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you looked in these eyes, you've looked into the eyes of the Father. Because he was a direct representation. The New Testament, Scripture interprets Scripture, interprets Scripture. And it shows us that Jesus actually is the exact representation of Father God. And so sons and daughters, they look at Jesus and say, Oh, that's what the Father looks like. <clears throat> so, we rest, sons and daughters, rest in instead of work for love. Big difference between orphan mentality and the uh, mentality of a son or daughter is that sons and daughters live from love. Orphans live for love. Sons and daughters actually release love in all that they do. Orphans actually try to earn love in all that they do. You see the difference? Orphans constantly are striving Constantly tired, constantly exhausted. Sons and daughters 
are constantly refreshed because they're living from love and living in this place of rest that Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, or actually most of Hebrews 4, tells us that we were created to live from. We actually enter into his rest and we stop working. (laughs) The sons and daughters see themselves as the father does and therefore loves and likes others. Yes, loves and likes self. Because the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I need to love and like me. Come on. I need to love and like me the way that he does. I'm never going to love you better than I love me. I may be nicer to you than I am myself, but being nice doesn't equate to love. (laughs) I may be letting on that it's love, but it ain't love. I'm just being polite. (laughs) Which when you're in church long enough, you learn how to do that when you're around people. (laughs) The people that live with you find out that it ain't true. (laughs) You can't hide it 24-7. I tried (laughs) really hard. (laughs) And you start blaming stuff. Hadn't had my coffee, hadn't had a good day. They weren't nice to me. You didn't treat me right. You said something bad to me. You didn't pay enough attention to me. You didn't give me enough affection. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't. And that's what orphan mentality does is it constantly blames others. You didn't do this. They didn't do that. Can't believe they did that to me. If they wouldn't have. And then it goes back to this orphan mentality and victim mentality are married together. It's always somebody else's fault. It was my parents' fault. It was the way I brought up. I was in foster care, whatever it was. Now look, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we don't get damaged and that we don't have wounds that have to be healed from our upbringings. But I am saying that we are not victims of those things. And when I allow the love of the Father to come into the core of who I am, what it does is it crushes victim mentality. And I quit blaming my past. (laughs) Come on. When we can rest in our identity, we can access limitless love and can love people with unconditional love like the Father does. Number one thing it does is it enables it. I'm I'm empowered to love myself the way that He loves me. When I can look in that mirror and look myself in the eyes and say, I love you. When you've had a bad day, when you yelled at your kids, when you weren't so nice... You can say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Because when you can't, it's still based on what you did and how well you acted that day. And that's how I determine. So there's no condemnation if you feel that way still. I'm just giving you identifiers so that the Holy Spirit can bring conviction and say, look, you're trying to love yourself based on your behavior again. Because the more you love yourself not based on your behavior, the more those behaviors fade away. It's not because I'm trying to get you just some kind of, oh, just love yourself no matter how you act and your behavior doesn't doesn't matter. That's not what I'm saying. You have self-control. You're a powerful person. Other people's behavior is not supposed to dictate how I treat others. You read 1 Corinthians 13, you find that out. Love suffers long and is kind, right? Does not envy, is not boastful, is is not proud, Right? (laughs) Love just keeps on loving. (laughs) It's what it does. And you and I were made in the image of love. And so as I close, this is what I propose to you. We're getting ready to, I believe, 
for those that need it and, and those that maybe just want it again. Just a fresh baptism of his love. So this is what I propose. Is that when I'm baptized in, into his love, truly baptized into his love, how will I know it? That it will actually be fruit of it in my life. I, I'm all for experiences and encounters and we shake and bake and fall down and flip and laugh and cry and, and I'm, I celebrate all the stuff because I don't touch other people's manifestations. You know, I like, I look for fruit in their lives, but uh, I definitely don't make fun of manifestations because I've heard of people doing that and getting the manifestation 10 times worse than what that person had it. And I'm like, I'm cool. <laughs> I've started to laugh internally before somebody and I'm like, oh Jesus, I'm sorry, please. <laughs> I just don't want that. <laughs> I'm, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to do sometimes what I do. But the power of God comes on a person's physical body and you, you just, you know. I like what Randy Clark says is that you, you may not have control over your body, but you do have control over your volume. I've always been able to have control over my volume. That's good. That's <laughs> And so I celebrate all that stuff. But in all that, the baptism of, if, if, if an encounter that looks like something outwardly is not a prerequisite for the baptism of love. It doesn't matter what I look like or how significant it, it may seem to somebody else. It's about his love going down into the very core of who I am. I'm telling you, I, I received a fresh baptism of love that that went down deeper into the core of who I am than ever before when I was on the lazy river, when I was on vacation. It was very symbolic and very fitting. As I'm just resting in this inner tube, and, the, and, and I, I was talking to the Father that day about the baptism of love, and I'm like, I need this. I, I know that I don't have the fullness of this. I know that I have a level of it. I know I love people more than I've ever loved them before. But I still know that there's there's more for me, much more. And it just came. It just came because he wanted to do it more than I wanted him to. Because that's the kind of father he is. You and I were created to be affirmed by the father in a way that Jesus was. That results in empowerment that will never question where him and I stand. Regardless of what I do or don't do. And what happens is that it actually causes me to want to lay down my life for him. I'm not saying that I just lay back and rest and don't do anything, right? I lay back and rest, and it actually causes me to want to do more. I just do it from the right place. It's the only thing that causes me to run towards darkness. It's love. It's not achievement. It's not the testimony. It's not trying to build a bigger ministry. It's because in my living and in my, in my dying, may you get all the glory. <laughs> in my living and in my dying, may you get all the glory for my little life. And love is the only thing that can really cause us to do that in a genuine, heartfelt way. And so regardless of what it looks like, my proposal is, is that when love goes down into the core of who we are, it takes us back to that moment of, of all the way at conception. It takes us back and it loves us in, that, in our inner child in that moment. 
It takes us back past the hurt, past the rejection, past the abandonment, past the abuse, past all the things that ever happened to us and all the things that we ever did. And it actually loves us fully and completely in that moment and activates the born again by incorruptible seed nature that the Father desires us to live from, which activates our divine nature fully so that we can live not just from love, but in love and actually be love to a broken world around us. That makes sense? It's what, it's, what he wa- he, it's what he wants. He wants love to go to, and you know what? It destroys victim mentality. It destroys orphan mentality. It heals the wounds that we've struggled with for years. It takes care of all that stuff. Love is the answer. His love. And today, he's affirming you. You're my dearly loved son. You're my dearly loved daughter. And in you, I delight. You bring me great joy. And some of you, immediately in your mind, you think there's no way. There's no way he could love me in the way that I've acted, in the way that I've been, the choices I've made. <laughs> I got good news for you. <laughs> You're 100% wrong. <laughs> You've never been so wrong in your life. <laughs> and it's good. It's good news. Because he loves you, not based on anything you've done. He loves you. It doesn't matter how broken you may feel. It doesn't matter the the wounds and the things in there. He wants to come in and heal those. He's not looking at you through your past or what has happened to you or what you've done or what you were born into. He's not looking at you through that lens. He's looking at you through eyes of love and he sees you wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus and in his eyes, you are absolutely 100% perfect, flawless. That's the truth. I give you all kinds of scripture to back it up. So you know what? I'm not going to have you stand with me because I think this is a sitting thing. We like to have you stand usually because I've been standing for the last 45 minutes and I feel like I should make you stand. But I just want you to assume the position. I want you to assume the position of receiving from the Father. This is your day. This is your day. Yeah, you can get on the floor. You can come up to the altar. You can lay on your back. You can lay on your face. You can lean back in your chair. Whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter to me. We're not going to rush this. Now, I am going to rush out of here in about 10 minutes. But I don't want you to go anywhere. We got people that are going to, hey, we always hang out for a while. We're never rushing people out of the building. We don't want you to miss this moment. And so, Father, thank you for every son, every daughter that are watching or in this room. Jesus, you're the baptizer. You're the one that baptizes in, in fire and Holy Spirit, and you're also the one that baptizes in love. And so you, the everlasting Father, thank you for your affirmation upon every son and daughter right now in this moment. I thank you for a baptism of love coming down to the very core of every single person right now. I thank you for a bypassing hurt. I thank you for a bypassing mistakes. I thank you for a bypassing the things that happened. I thank you for a bypassing everything. And going down 
to that incorruptible seed. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm just going to speak this over you. Some of you, the Father's already speaking to. I just want to speak this over to you. You are. You are the child that brings him great delight. You are the one he dearly and unconditionally loves. And he not only loves you, he likes you. He loves spending time with you. He loves holding you. He loves being around you when you mess up. He loves being around you when you are a mess. He loves holding you in the midst of of trouble and heartache and, and when things are going right. He loves celebrating you every moment of every day. He champions you and he has. In every moment, he believes in you. All of heaven is backing you. And the Father is cheering you on with the great cloud of witnesses. Cheering you on and you discovering everything that he predestined you to be. And his love's not based on anything that you have done, anything that you could do. It's not based on your knowledge of the Bible or how much scripture you've memorized. It's not based on how many prophetic words you give or how many people you lead to the Lord in your lifetime. It's not based on if you fulfill your calling or not. It's not based on anything that you could ever do in your life. But it's based on His love. It's based on Him. And it will never change. It never has and it never will. He is the unchanging one. He's never changed his mind about you. There's somebody that really needs to hear that. You feel like you messed up your calling. You feel like that you made a poor choice. You feel like that you walked out of God's will. Somebody told you that he only had a perfect will for you and a permissive will. And you feel like you walked out of the perfect will and there's a permissive will. And you've been believing it for so long that you feel like you can't even feel God anymore. I felt like I was supposed to tell you today that being in his arms is his perfect will for you wasn't about you fulfilling your calling or walking in your anointing or operating out of the gifts of the Spirit. It was solely out of just Him being able to hold you in His arms and love you fully and completely so that Colossians 2.10 could be your reality, that you would become whole because He is the one that makes us whole. That's His perfect will for you. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you. He is the one who is constantly looking at you with love in his eyes. And for every person that's got some sort of church PTSD because somebody told you that God was always watching you in a bad way, I just break the power of it right now in Jesus' name. That fear be broken. That torment be broken. That paranoia be broken in Jesus' name that love come into the trauma center of your body and eradicate everything that is never supposed to be there. Now, thank you, Father, that you're looking at us with love in your eyes and mercy on your minds. 
God, thank you for the baptism of love coming in waves even. I feel like there's more. I thank you for more. Yeah, thank you. Just come. Spirit of love, come. Spirit of love, come upon every person. Baptize them deep down into their loving the inner child, activating the incorruptible seed, bringing us more fully or into the fullness of divine nature so that we know according to that scripture in Colossians 2.10 that we are complete in you. That you are the only one that can love us into wholeness. So we break the power of performance mentality and pray that every lie of orphan thinking would be eradicated by the truth of who you are, Father. There isn't anything that we can do to earn your love. Yeah, thank you for a blanket of peace right now. Yeah, thank you for breaking the power that chaos thinks it had in life's. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for nothing missing, nothing lacking, because your love is filling every void. Your love is filling every void. Your love is filling every void. bless everything that you're doing right now. I pray more, God. I bless the love that you're pouring out. I bless the love that's pouring into the core of each son, each daughter. I bless the truth that's been going down uh, into the very foundation of who they are. I bless everything that you're doing in this moment. I, say there be in, I pray that there be increase, increase of the awareness of you being for us increase of the awareness of you being for us. Yeah, thank you, Father. I, th I pray even that people would begin to feel you celebrating them. Yeah, I thank you for the celebration of heaven that's destroying, destroying darkness and destroying lies. I thank you for neural pathways being filled with your love as it activates the truth that people have been trying very hard to get. And I thank you that grace is being activated in a new way for, for the mind of Christ in individuals. Yeah, I thank you that empowerment is coming in new ways to sons and daughters. I thank you. I thank you. Thank you for victim mentality being destroyed and broken. Yeah, I thank you. And I thank you for every wound being healed where people were victimized. Through your love, I thank you that your love is healing those wounds. I thank you that those wounds don't stand a chance in your love. <laughs> thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we're just going to press in for a few minutes and just let Jesus keep loving us. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Just want to speak a mother's blessing over you guys. so loved there's a mother heart of God just like there's a father heart of God that 
wants to come and just embrace us right now. feel like there's encouragement in the room there's there's just um there's just this encouragement this this empowerment from a mother's heart of god just coming and saying my child my my daughter my son i'm so in love with you you're so good you're so beautiful Nothing that you have ever done will ever change my love for you, my affection for you. I bless you. I'm for you. Yeah, just keep receiving his love. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Just imagine him just holding you, embracing you. Look at his face. See him smiling over you. <laughs> yeah. Just ask him, how do you see me? What do you think about me? showing you something in your mind's eye. What do you see? Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, that your good father, your good father. Rest in his love. Just bless the love right now. Bless you, God, for what you're doing.
loving us so perfectly. Thank you for loving us back to wholeness, how you created us. I encourage you just to continue just to sit in his presence and his love as long as you can. But I want to invite the prayer team to come up as well. Just be available to love on people, pray for people if you need prayer. If you need a prophetic word, if you want a prophetic word or encouragement. you need prayer for healing these people are up here available to pray with you thank you God for what you're doing If you saw God, if you if you heard him say what he thinks about you, I just encourage you to, or if you saw a picture, I encourage you to write it down so you don't forget. And this week, every week, or every day this week, I encourage you just to read over what he said about you every single morning. And just let the truth of what he feels about, what he thinks about you wash over you. Because it's uh, one thing to hear it once, you know. It's another thing to let it wash over you and renew your mind to it every day. There's power in that. So, but yeah, <laughs> I'm going to pray for you guys and then um, release you guys to greet the kids or come up for prayer or whatever you want to do. But please don't rush if you're, if you're having a moment with him. We want you to stay there, okay? Jesus, I just thank you. Thank you that you're good, God. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're kind. Thank you for how perfectly you love us. Thank you for washing away all the lies that would tell us that we have to do anything to earn this kind of love. Thank you for fighting for us to know you, to really know you and see you for who you are. <laughs> Thank you for allowing us to taste and see just how good you are. We want more. We want to know more. We want to experience you more. 
Thank you for your love going down into the deepest parts of us. Thank you that you're with us and you're for us. I just bless every person that's watching, every person that's here in this room. Bless them. To receive all the love that is available to us. Thank you for removing anything that would stand in the way of us walking in all of your love, experiencing all of who you are every single day. Thank you that we can rest in our relationship with you, rest in, in your goodness, and that, Holy Spirit, you will do the rest. <laughs> yes. Just bless every person. Bless the love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.